I think communication is key. First and foremost, um, you know, mental health in general has always had this weird stigma on it. I think as HR leaders, one of the things that we can do that is the most impactful right now is stop making that a hush-hush conversation. Let's have those conversations in the open doors. We're doing it with diversity inclusion. Let's do it with mental illness as well, uh, where it is not this weird stigma. It happens. I guarantee you most people have been, if not themselves, struggled with mental um, illness. They've had people that they love and care for that are dealing with it. Um, so having those conversations, that's one thing that we can start having. And HR, I think it's important for us to give our employees resources, connect them to it. We are the, we are the leaders. We should be allowing them or telling them not just what's on our health care plans, but resources in the community. Hi, all. Welcome to yet another episode of Hacking HR podcast uh, with us. It has been our continuous endeavor to bring to you the conversations around least spoken workplace challenges and other changes that are happening around in the human resources fraternity. Today, we are going to discuss one such existing challenge in our podcast. Gallup's annual health and healthcare study found that mental well-being is at its lowest point since 2001, and that was the point of time when they had actually kick-started this survey. The impact is not just the people, just not at the people level. The rippling effect of the impact is seen in the business performance, as well as in the form of uh, lost productivity and high turnover for the organizations. Great resignation, one of the contributors that you can see for it. So, so the question that emerges is then how organization communication impacts the psychological well-being of your talent. I'm sure you'll be wondering. Why is this necessary and why on earth are we talking about it? So you'll get to know this as we we'll continue our conversation today with Christy. Christy has close to two decades of experience in leading human resources for different industries. Thank you, Christy, for making it to our podcast today. Really excited to have you with us in this conversation. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Um, I'm so impressed with you, what you guys are doing and helping change uh, the dynamics for HR. Thank you. Thank you so much, Christy. So uh, I think the first question, what all our viewers and listeners would want, want to ask you is, can the way we communicate impact the psychological well-being of the people in our organization? What are some of your observations, thoughts, insights that you've experienced so far? Absolutely. I think communication is key. First and foremost, um, you know, mental health in general has always had this weird stigma on it. I think as HR leaders, one of the things that we can do that is the most impactful right now is stop making that a hush-hush conversation. Let's have those conversations in the open doors. We're doing it with diversity inclusion. Let's do it with mental illness as well, uh, where it is not this weird stigma. It happens. I guarantee you most people have been, if not themselves, struggled with mental um, illness. They've had people that they love and care for that are dealing with it. Um, so having those conversations, that's one thing that we can start having. And HR, I think it's important for us to give our employees resources, connect them to it. We are the, we are the leaders. We should be allowing them or telling them not just what's on our health care plans, but resources in the community. These are places that you can go. And even 
getting groups of uh, our employees together to have those safe conversations and leading it where people who are suffering with depression or anxiety can have those safe conversations because the one way path to healing is just talking about it and knowing you're not alone. And I think companies really, we spend most of our time at work. This is why I got into HR, right? So I studied psychology. And one of the things was I want to have the biggest impact where we're going to do it at in work, we spend more time with our work family than we do at home. We need to have these conversations in the office. I don't understand why we're shying away from them. Um, and it is our jobs as leaders to, to do that and encourage it. Um, so I really wanna help HR people start having those conversations. Very interesting, Christian. And as you emphasize that it's important as leaders, especially because it's usually the top-down effect that gets cascaded in the organization, uh, which, which is essential for us to bring in that uh, psychological safety and that acceptance of having the open conversations and to have the focus on mental well-being continued. So in, in the same breath, if I were to ask you, uh, how and why, or maybe, maybe let me put it the other way, why and how should well-being become a strategic priority to the C-suite? Because if, if leaders are not committed to it and they do not bring in that authenticity to the whole agenda and the strategy, then I think the whole um, concept loses its charm and mm -hmm. its consequences, and it just becomes a tick in the box. Uh, so one of our panelists um, was, was sharing the story of the poster girl and poster boy drama that has taken over in the organizations lately. So question back to you, why and how it, it can become a strategic uh, importance for C-suite in the boardroom? So why to me is very easy. Uh, obviously, it affects not just work productivity, but their their uh, physical health. You know, mental disorders will lead into physical issues, which is going to drive the cost of your benefits up, and you're going to be losing money. So there's a financial and productivity reasons why this is extremely important, especially in today's workforce. COVID has pushed this um, front and center. How to do it? I think really starts with your leaders, HR leaders, and your CEOs to start being more vulnerable um, and having those personal conversations. Like now as an HR leader, I can go out and say, hey, you know, when I was in my early twenties, my dad actually tried to commit suicide and he suffered with PTSD. So having those conversations, knowing that these people only starts with us to say, hey, I've lived it, I've been there, I know what you're going through. And yes, um, you can say you're not going to take it to work, but you do take it to work and it does carry over and it is a powerful statement. So when people start seeing the leaders being vulnerable and having those open conversations, it's going to follow. Your people will talk about it. Um, and I, like I said, I guarantee most people in some form have been experienced or exposed to it. So if you can start sharing your personal stories as a leader, I think people then you're giving them that psychological safe place to go, okay, now I can have this conversation and I don't feel like I'm going to be judged for having this conversation. Awesome. So um, I, I think there's, there's another uh, aspect to the mental well-being. Uh, one is on the larger level in the organization. And I think the other aspect is the diversity, inclusion, equity, and belongingness. So the LI groups and otherwise the overall diversity agenda also somewhere I think brings in the impact of communication on the mental well-being of people uh, around in, in, in those tribes in those communities. So again, we would love to know your experience uh, and some insights in terms of what are those uh, impacts that you may have seen or experienced and what is it that the organizations can start doing differently to be able to address it? 
So I've, you know, had a lot of honor to work in different industries and every industry handles it completely different from one another. Um, you know, oil and gas industry was a very closed knit um, environment where people were just taught to um, suck it up. You just dealt with it. Um, what I saw from there is other issues arise. You get um, drug issues. You get, um, you actually have a lot of people that do suffer from mental illnesses in those industries because they are taught to just keep it internal. Um, then I flipped over to a financial industry where that is more traditional, um, very professional, but again, they don't speak about these issues as much, maybe a little bit more, but not so much. It's a little, you can see there's a struggle and disconnect. Moving into the tech world, I'm actually happy to say that they are more open about it. And what I'm seeing in that industry is people being and wanting to talk about it. And you're seeing a happier type of workforce. Um, you're seeing the difference in their personalities. You're seeing them wanting to come to work. And you see that productivity changing. Um, again, it's all because and every industry is different. So it brings its own. So I would challenge our leaders in different industries, especially like oil and gas energy, um, be the changer in that industry, um, shake it up and do something different than the rest of the industry is not doing. Because, you know, going back to oil and gas, if we had been more open, um, you know, a lot of times because it's male dominated, men just keep things inside. Well, we need to start having breaking down those walls and, and doing that for our, our employees. Because once again, you do that, you have those tough conversations. I've had an employee that suffered bipolar disorder. Once you address it, you end up and working with them. That employee stays with you longer. They're more loyal to the company. They will speak highly of the organization and you're going to actually get the best person you, you, you didn't even know existed underneath there. Super. So uh, I think HR somewhere, even though I'm not say are the custodians or the owners of this whole agenda, but I think somewhere as facilitators, uh, they can help the organization manage the mental well-being more effectively overall and also on individual siloed levels. So given that as the background, I think this is one space where HR leaders have now started waking up and thinking about how to move forward, but they've just not arrived yet. So as, as we say, they're always the latecomers in the party. So given that as the background, uh, how do you see and what's your advice to the HR leaders to, to be able to facilitate that entire mental well-being uh, conversations more effectively in the organization? Well, for HR, you got to get the buy-in from the top, right? So we are only one person. And I know a lot of times, historically, they push company culture changes just on HR. It doesn't work. Um, we alone can't change that. So we have to convince our leaders the importance of it, of, you know, and you got to know how you're directing that, that message. So if you're talking to the CFO, obviously you're going to bring in the statistics showing the numbers and the loss productivity and how this is affecting our benefit plans and how it's impacting our bottom line. Um, that's a conversation you have with the CFO, right? The CEO, well, hey, look, your best employees, you know, we're, we're having this attrition. You're losing this. This is, again, the cost and not just the financial cost, but the talent that's being exported out. And we, we, we need that longevity uh, within the organization. Knowing your leaders, knowing how they take in information, and as HR, you should be knowing how to direct that message to each person. You're going to have to slightly change it, but get them to buy into your thought process and tell them, you know, this is why this is important. And once you have them on board and you get them talking, then you're going to slowly start seeing that whole company culture shift. 
it doesn't happen with one person. It takes a whole team of people to make that happen. Um, so, and it does start at the top. It really does. And I can't express that enough, but it's us to sell it to our executives. HR need to own the fact that not to sell it to our employees. Our employees already know that we are responsible to selling it to our executives who are going to push it down. Amazing. And I think you beautifully brought up the uh, the connectivity with the culture impact and how the C-suite overall gets impacted. So um, given the different work models that are now emerging across the globe, uh, it, that is also in a way impacting the mental well-being for the people in different stages because the behavior of people is changing by the hour. And um, in, in Capgemini, they actually ran the people's behavior surveys and analytics every week what started on a quarterly level and they could see the behaviors changing by the hour by the minute so given that as the dynamism in the environment right now uh, again have you sensed or seen any different initiatives or new strategies or ideas uh, being being used by the organizations to keep the workforce engaged and ensuring that people do not go through uh, uh, you know a, a distressed mental health uh, while they're dealing with these changes in the environment? Yes, I mean, our whole shift in our world going to virtual, it's it's been very interesting. And what the problem has been is managers are not physically actually touching or seeing their employees one-on-one. So you're missing the nonverbal cues that are coming across, right? So that's becoming very, very difficult. So the shift that I'm seeing is people are now leaning more onto your data to understand what's happening. Just like you're saying, now you're, you're having to lean on that data to see the behaviors and see the trends. Um, looking when people are logging in and logging off off, how often, um, down to we have to pull some of our benefits data, right, to see where our employees are at on a health case. And you can start seeing based on our health, and you can work with your insurance brokers to see these health trends. Um, I listened to actually one of these podcasts and, you know, one of the HR people were talking about, you know, pulling mental health data. We, that is where HR needs to start looking at. We were looking at, you know, attrition rates, we're looking at all of this, but now we need to start figuring out working actually with psychologists, lean on our psychologists and psychiatrists and go, okay, give me some behaviors, help, help me go through this data to understand in best way that I can predict something's going to happen next. Um, and I think this is very new to us. So I don't have that answer right now as we're all going, going through it and trying to figure it out. Um, but one of my first things is going to is, is leaning on our, our psychologist out there and going, okay, I do have access to all this data as HR. Um, what are some of the best measurements that I can pinpoint and to locate that there's something going on with this, this individual? Brilliant. So as we are inching uh, close to the end of the podcast hour, uh, my question for you, uh, with the diversity that we spoke about uh, and the global trends that are coming up, uh, what are some of the challenges or may I say the road blockers that the organizations may face in the months to come to be able to rapidly scale up their initiatives for the mental well-being? And how is it that they can go forward to address those road blockers and ensure that it's a sustainable uh, measures that they have been applying and not just for the sake of it? The, you know, it's, it's going to be very challenging. Um, honestly, even psychologists and neurologists, all of them, I still do not even understand how the human brain works. 
Um, so we are trying to figure out something as much as they are. They're just ahead of the game. Um, I think for companies, it's really, we're, we're trying to also balance and other issues. We're trying to balance both the allowing people to feel like they're working for something greater and allowing their individual personality to come into that organization. And how do you do that most effectively? I think we're all going to figure this out in the next few years or try to <laughs> as we get there. Um, but it is going to be a balancing act. So I would challenge everyone to, number one, start talking about in the organizations, having conversations with people outside of business. Normally, we keep everything in our business world. Let's think outside that box. So let's engage in our conversations with our psychologists, psychiatrists, neurologists, um, these individuals who have been studying the human brain for many, many years to understand human behavior because HR has to shift to not only basic policies and legal things, we have to understand the basics of human behavior and why people are responding the way they are in that, that way that we can learn ourselves and then train our managers on how to respond to that. Um, and the best way is, you know, let's, let's lean on our therapist. <laughs> I, I, I think everybody who's listening, especially the HR folks who are not from the psychology background, the first thing they'll say, okay, so Christy is asking us to jump into the master's course for psychology, start practicing it, and then come back to workplace and start uh, studying people's behavior and, and taking it forward. That was on a light note, Christy. So uh, <laughs> on a serious note, <laughs> the ones who do not really come from the psychology background, how, can, how, how do you see them and what's your recommendation to them to be able to make that impact. So one is they can collaborate with uh, external therapists and counselors and bring them on board. But I, I think budgets also somewhere restrains that initiative. So with, with organizations which are in hyper growth stage or in the early startup stage, what is it that they can do uh, to be able to bring in this whole mental well-being uh, communication more effective and, and as the primary agenda? I think it's pretty simple with, you know, when you're on an airplane and they always tell you, you know, put on that uh, gas mask before you, you help your, your neighbor. It's that simple. HR professionals actually probably should go out and get their own therapist. Um, they should start seeing uh, psychologists or coaches on a regular basis. When you start doing that and you start getting to help yourself and you're seeing how that is changing for you, it is going to trickle in to the other realms of your world. You know, one of the things I like to do, I love podcasts. I'm a big fan of podcasts. I purposely will get up in the mornings and listen to them just because I am learning from different experts on how this all works. I don't have all the answers, so I'm listening to the others. Um, and, uh, you know, openly, I try to see a therapist at least once a week or once a month. You know, there's no shame in that. And we should be doing that. That helps us help others. It's that simple. Wow. I just love that candid conversation that we just had. I mean, it's so inspirational that an HR leader is saying that I go and meet my therapist and counselor just to ensure that I am in control of what's happening around me and then be able to help others. Brilliant. Yes. I just love that. So uh, thank you so much. This brings us to the close of our podcast. I really love the insights and, and the time that you spent with us today, Christy, on this podcast. Thank you, everybody, for staying, uh, staying tuned. And Stay tuned further for the next episode of the Hacking HR podcast with us. See you all soon. Thank you. Take care, Christy. Thank you, everybody, for watching or listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please follow us on our social media and subscribe to our newsletter so that you can stay informed of all the things that we're putting together for you from the Hacking HR community. Thank you so much. Please continue to stay safe, stay well, stay strong, and we will see you soon.